0: Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm on. Uh, It's glad to be here. Good to be here. Greetings from the other side of Flatbush Avenue. I walked over. Um, I live in Clinton Hill, so not too far away with my family. Uh, We've been in Brooklyn for 12 years. Um, I have four kids, two uh, 13-year-old, or just one pair of 13-year-old twins. So pray for me. I have teenagers now. And then we have two beautiful children that we adopted from Ethiopia. Um, Our daughter's 11, and our son is 8. And then my husband's actually a pastor, so... <clears throat> it's interesting for me to be on this side of things. I'm usually listening, listening to him. So thank you. Thank you for having me. So I want to ask the question, who do you call when you are in crisis? Um, this question assumes that you have someone to call uh, because that's how we're designed, right? We're made not to be alone, to not do life alone. We're made for community. Um, I, when I'm in crisis, I first call my husband. Now my kids are old enough, I can kind of call my 13-year-olds a little bit. I call my neighbors, my church community. I completely depend on uh, neighbors and church community to do life. Um, When my youngest was about two, he um, is our daredevil. And he decided to do a high dive from the couch um, onto our solid wood coffee table. And um, the coffee table still marks, uh, that has the teeth marks from this performance. Um, And I just immediately scooped him off, blood is everywhere. And I just ran seven doors down to my neighbor. I mean, I didn't even know what to do. I just ran straight to her. And I was like, what do I do? And she was like, well, let me, cause I, you know, I want to avoid the ER. It's my fourth kid. So I'm like, I don't want to go to the ER. <laughs> and, and uh, so she took one look at the gaping hole where his teeth had come through his lip and she was like, I'm calling you a cab. You're going to the ER. I'm taking your children. And she just put it, put me in the cab. Um, you need neighbors in crisis like that. Sometimes you're not thinking clearly and you need someone to tell you, this is how you can get through this moment. Um, you may call your roommates. You may call your mom. Everyone should call their mom. Uh, your relatives. We, we all hopefully have, huh? And dads. and dads. Thank you. Thank you. Go dads. Yeah. <laughs> um, we all need someone to call, right? Um, and if you don't have someone to call, you're probably feeling that right now, that you need someone to call. Um, but what if you had no one to call in crisis? Um, what if you had no one to live life with? And especially imagine that if you're a family, if there are children involved, um, and you're responsible for them, and you, and you didn't have that. So that's the space where Safe Family is entering. We really want to extend community um, and be that person for a family to call if they don't have someone to call. Um, that's, that's where we're, we're entering in because we're not meant to do life alone. So our mission statement says, Safe Families creates extended family-like support for families in crisis through a community of compassionate volunteers. We keep children safe and families intact. So what we do is really simple. Uh, we connect families who are overwhelmed or struggling or experiencing some sort of crisis, and we connect them with volunteers. And we recruit these volunteers from churches. Um, We vet the volunteers, we train the volunteers, and we support them through this relationship. But we're really connecting community members. That's really, really the role that we're playing. The crisis for the families varies. Um, We have a lot of unexpected pregnancies and mom is just scared. Um, we have a couple of families where their children are really struggling in school and they're just tired of those messages from the school and they don't, they don't know how to support their kid and just need uh, community in that. Um, we have moms with medical issues. Um, we have a couple moms with four kids and as we all know, that's a crisis in itself. Um, so uh, the, the crises sort of vary. But the thing that all of our families have in common is that they're all isolated. They're all socially isolated because if they had friends or relatives to reach out to, that's who they'd reach out to. But instead, they're reaching out to strangers. Um, So we really want to be there for them. Um, The church, one of our gifts is that we have a built-in community, we know how to do community, we know how to take care of each other. And so we want to extend that to our neighbors who don't have that same thing and just invite them into relationship. So why, why would we do this? Why would we possibly reach out to strangers and say, will you be my friend? Um, We could just keep our community in-house, right? Wouldn't that be the the best thing for us to do? Um, I love this quote by the Anglican Bishop William Temple. He said, "The church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not its members, which is really radical, right? Because the whole purpose of an institution is to gather around a common cause or a common belief or common value and to be alike, and the church and and to, and to be there to exist for its members. But the church—that's not our calling. Our calling is for to look outside of ourselves." and to be about others, which I've heard already said in the service multiple times and prayed for in the service multiple times. So I know that's your heart too. Um, so why is the church like this? Why do we exist for others? Um, I just wanna quickly look at three, three uh, passages from Jesus. Just read his words about why this is his heart. We're followers of Jesus. We're just trying to follow his heart. And so why, why does he have us exist for others? Uh, One way is love of neighbor, Uh, the second is care of the vulnerable, and the third is inviting those who can't repay. So in Matthew 22, it says, the Pharisees were asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So if you think about the care and concern that you put into, into yourself and taking care of yourself, we're supposed to take care of our neighbors in that same way, which is, is challenging. It's a really challenging word. Um, but that's how we can follow Jesus' heart and follow his words is by um, loving our neighbor as ourself. In Matthew 25, Jesus speaks about when he comes back and he says to his sheep, he says, come. You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So why? Why does he say that you get to inherit the kingdom? Because you're good at praying or you're really moral or a good person? Uh, No, that's not what he says. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Here's the one that really applies to save families. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And as people were like, huh, we didn't do that. What are you talking about? We never did any of those things for you. And this is the really challenging part. He says, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So this is really mysterious. Somehow Jesus is saying that when we care for the vulnerable, we're caring for Him. Somehow He's connected, um, and this is really challenging New York City because we see the vulnerable around us on the streets a lot. Um, and I'm not trying to offer an answer to that, but I, I do think this passage is telling us that we should see Jesus in them, and we should, um, and and we should be challenged by that when we think about the vulnerable in our city. And then lastly, Luke 14. This is the parable of the great banquet. It says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So this is in great contrast to the New York City dinner party, right? Never invite awkward people. Always invite interesting people that'll make you as the host look really good. Make, you know, you want the vibe to stay fun and light and interesting. Um, but again, Jesus is has really challenging words for us and his heart is for us to invite and to invitation, to relationship in our lives, people who give nothing back. Um, that was what he did when he was on earth, and that's what he would have us do as his people. So Jesus wants us to love our neighbor, care for the vulnerable, and invite those who cannot repay us. And safe families is one way to apply all three of these things. I know you guys are doing amazing things um, you know, with your justice team and, and in this city. And safe families is just one way that you can follow Jesus' words. Um, and I think uh, our families are—I think Jesus would really be pleased for us uh, to, to reach out to these families because our families are largely invisible. Um, they're not on the streets, usually. They are um, suffering quietly. Um, and so for us to—and then, and then yet they're, re- they're doing this really courageous, vulnerable thing, reaching out for help. And so I think it's a really exciting opportunity for us as the church to, to um, love on them. I love this uh, quote by Mother Teresa. The problem with our world is that we draw the circle of family too small. So you know how to care for your inner circle, right? We all know how to do that. And so all we're asking you to do is to extend that same care to your neighbors who might live right next door to you and be really overwhelmed and struggling. Um, I do want to admit that this is really challenging. I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on anyone about these things. Like these words are really, they're they're almost burdensome. Um, but I don't think that's that's why Jesus has them us. I don't think that's why He asks us to do these things. I think that when we are following Him and His heart that it is a beautiful thing and that we're flourishing and that it will set us free, actually. Um, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but I think this is how we're made, is, is to love on others who are vulnerable. And so when we follow Jesus in this, hopefully we will experience a freedom and just a flourishing um, through doing this. So how does this specifically look? Say, families, how does it look? And who should get involved? Who are good... Um, Which of you would make good volunteers? I thought I'd just tell you about a few of our current volunteers um, so you can sort of hear some stories. We have a 75-year-old widow who is um, partnered with a mom who's overwhelmed um, with her, she was overwhelmed with her um, kid's school. She doesn't speak English, and the school was not accommodating, um, It wasn't providing translation for her. And so this volunteer goes with her to school meetings and now, um, and advocated on behalf of the child. And the mom knew, she was like, I know my child needs something, but she just, the communication wasn't working. And so um, now this child has the services that he needs through the school. Um, She also, another volunteer went to a pediatrician appointment, and and now the child needed glasses and um, ear thingies. Sorry, I can't think of the word for it. Yes, hearing aid. so there's like all these issues and just the translation breakdown was, was preventing. The mom knew that there was something but she just couldn't get anyone to listen. And so, you know, our volunteers were able to just walk alongside her and um, especially this 75-year-old widow was able to, to help this, this son get the services he needs. We have a 60-year-old, six-zero-year-old 6-0, uh, single man, who is partnered with a 17-year-old teenage dad. Um, his girlfriend is pregnant, and she got kicked out of the house uh, when she decided to keep the baby. And this dad is just trying to support her and be there for her. And so this, you know, guy, they're just walking alongside it together, um, talking about how how can we make this work? How can we support you? Um, and now this this kid and this and this man have just really bonded. And it's... um. Really fun to see that. And then we have a couple also that's, that's um, partnered with, with that young teenage couple. We have a 25-year-old single woman who is partnered with a new mom who was honestly just scared to be alone with her baby. Um, and so this single woman was like, I don't know anything about this, but I'm happy to just walk alongside with you. And the, the mom really liked that. And in some ways I think it was better because um, she didn't come in with all this experience, ex, experience of a mom. Like she just was able, they were able to do it together. They're the same age. And um, now that mom goes to community group with that woman. She goes to church for the first time. Um, so it's just been a really exciting relationship. We've had a pastor dad who has babysat two little kids so that mom can go to her medical appointments. She has a high-risk pregnancy and just didn't want to drag her toddlers along with her. So um, multiple volunteers, actually, including this dad, um, kept her kids so that she didn't have to, to bring them to the clinic. And then, of course, we have moms connecting with other moms, um, just sharing the joys and, and challenges of um, of parenting, So, as you see, there's a range of volunteers. There's not really a profile, um, different ages, um, single, married, kids, no kids. Um, there's a range of roles and commitment levels. Um, it's really um, designed to be ex- accessible to you so that whatever you feel like you can offer a family, you can, and that you can't offer everything. Um, this is a team approach, so we don't just—it's not a one-to-one relationship. We always assign at least two volunteers to every family, sometimes eight volunteers, depending on the needs, and that's designed because we don't want the volunteers to become overwhelmed or isolated. You know, we want you to be serving in community, and ideally, you're serving within your, your church community, um, befriending these, these families, The one thing that um, all of our volunteers have in common is that they are everyday people, regular people, just like me and you. Um, Everyday people doing everyday things and acts for these families, but we're really seeing that there's a huge impact on families. Um, I'm sure you know this from your own life, or you might not realize how much your community Stabilizes you and strengthens you, and so we're seeing that really small supports really stabilize and strengthen these families, which is exciting to see the reason I got into this um, was for that reason on my block um, there's a homeless shelter, and my kids uh, family shelter and, and my kids you know invited all these kids into, in our home, which is natural and um we sort of just became a second home for a lot of these kids, especially four boys. Um, they came every Sunday and we'd play board games together. And then we had evening service at that time. We'd go to church together and um, you know we'd have dinner together. They were just sort of part of our family and, and someone that they could reach out to on the block. But then over time, um, their moms went through some sort of crisis and they called me. And I was like, why are they calling me? And it's because I was the one on the block. Like I was just this stable, reliable person on the block. It wasn't because it was anything special about me. It was just because I was there and I'd made myself available and I'd made it known that I loved their kids. And so they called me. So I was, you know, able to um, host their kids when they went to the hospital or, um, you know, go to a child services appointment when, when they got caught up on charges for child services and advocate for them to keep their kids and... Just, um, just be there for them. Just be a, a presence for them. Um, so I really, I've seen firsthand in my own life and in other people's lives that, w- that we've been able to be friends with of, of how huge of an impact everyday support and community can be. Um, some examples of things that uh, our volunteers do is even just texting an encouraging word um, can be really powerful. You can do this. Uh, just being uh, someone to call when someone's overwhelmed, um, going to a school meeting or a pediatrician appointment, uh, sitting in a waiting room, bouncing a kid when someone's trying to restore their benefits. I don't know if you've ever been to any appointments like this, but the lines are long, and it can be really intimidating. A lot of our parents will just leave. And so just to go with them and be like, I'm, I'm going to help you get these benefits that you're, you're entitled to. I'm going to help you through this. Um, even making a meal or delivering a crib, um, just really, I, I don't think there's, I think everyone in this room can do something for these families is what, is what I'm trying to communicate. Whatever you have the time and the ability to do is something that this family would not have had otherwise. So it's worth, it's worth your time and it's worth and it's important to them. Um, and even even just praying for them, I mean, who, we don't know, maybe they don't have anyone maybe you'd be the one person that's praying for this family which is such a privilege um so so yeah so everyday supports that we see have a huge impact um agencies agree with us we're starting to so we've been connecting with families a year and at first people were like what are you doing and now the tide has turned where agencies are reaching out to us and saying we need to, we need this sort of informal support because agencies and organizations that work with families, they provide very formal support within the four walls of their building, but they can't provide the informal supports that you all can provide. And so, so people are calling us and reaching out to us. Um, the last couple meetings I had, just, just this week, she was like, we have hundreds of families that we would like to refer to you. And I was like, please don't do that. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Um, and she, and it's interesting too, how these agencies are not, um, at first I was a little timid about the, that we recruited from churches. Um, the agencies are really excited about that. I mean, they, they get it. And one, um, this meeting that I had last week, she was like, we really want these families to be connected with churches. If, you know, if, if they're open to it, we want them to be connected to a church that can you know, support them. And so if you can even just be the bridge between that, we're happy. And I'm like, can you say that again? Like, what? <laughs> did that just happen? Um, so I, I also, I've heard y'all pray twice this morning um, for this school. I bet the social workers at this school would be thrilled to hear about Safe Families, which they don't know about it. Um, you know, that could be a really direct connection as if if the social workers knew um, that this was an option and that you guys had volunteers, then, then there are probably families right here um, that need your support, which would just be such an amazing um, proximity to you. Um, so at this point, we, we're really waiting on the church. You know, we're, um, we're connected to families, but the agencies are ready to refer us hundreds of people. So we're waiting on the church at this point to say, yes, we want, we want to partner with families in this way. Um, if you do decide to volunteer, you and this congregation will be transformed through the experience. When I was, um, first married, um, I struggled, I struggled with depression when I was first married and, you know, it's hard. And, uh, after five months of being married, so we're still newlyweds, um, someone knocks on the door and it's my husband's best friend. He had quit his job. I think because we got married, maybe (laughs) he was really sad. Anyway, um, (laughs) I should not have said that. Uh, So he went to Southeast Asia, was like trying to kind of find himself. All of a sudden he knocks on our door. I couldn't even recognize him. He had so many hairs coming out of everywhere. And uh, he was just like, Weeping and just like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm back. I don't know what I'm doing in my life. You know, can you guys help? And we were like, of course, move in. So, you know, five months into your marriage it's not what you expect to invite someone to move into your home. It was the best thing that could have happened for our marriage, the absolute best thing. I was able to just think about someone else besides myself and we are, we are both just able to focus on someone else. And, I mean, it's, it's to get out of yourself and your problems can be such a, a, a healthy thing. Um, so you will be transformed by this for sure. It's also a really good way to plant roots in this city, if you're not from here, um, to serve in your community and, and be invested in the lives of people here is a great way to, to get deeply rooted and for your congregation to be deeply rooted. Um, your congregation is a, such an exciting time, being one year old. Um, so that, uh, this is just an exciting, exciting time for you guys. And um, a pastor in Queens that's, that's partnered with Safe Families he was talking about the benefits for his church, um, other than, than being outward-faced, that now, since since they've been partnering with families, that families within their church, or, or people within their church, have gone through crisis, and they were, like, ready to go. He just said that that the say Families volunteers sort of were like, we got this, you know? And so he feels like his congregation's able to take care of each other in in deeper ways because of their experience taking care of, of families in their neighborhood. Um, so what what I'm asking you for um, cannot be done in your own strength. This is really hard. Uh, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit for this. Um, this is not something that we can just muster up the strength and energy to do. Um, and Jesus has provided for that. He provided a helper for us, right? He, Jesus died, and he was raised from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, which his disciples were like, what? Why are you leaving, you know? But he didn't leave them alone, and he didn't leave us alone. He left the Holy Spirit. So we have, we have to rely on the Spirit in this. But in addition to that, we also have this mysterious thing called the body of Christ. Um, we have each we have the church. And um, God has designed us to be one body together and to depend on one another in this. And so um, we do this together, which again is is part of Safe Families. We want to do this together as the body of Christ. And we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus um, to these families. So um, I hope that you'll join us. And we'll be back there in the back afterwards um, to answer questions. Uh, But let's pray together and... And ask uh, God to help us uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus. Father, I thank you for each person in this room and how they are a unique gift made by you. Thank you for the unique contribution that they make to this uh, family here. And I just pray that you would fill us up with your spirit and that you would... Give us the the heart for the vulnerable and the isolated families in our communities. Uh, Just pray that we could be your hands and feet to these neighbors as humbling and terrifying as a calling that is. But Father, I pray that we can do this together um, in in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's sermon. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn, details about Sunday worship and brunch, to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.